Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. And all God's people said, <laughs> We are blessed every week. Such wonderful music and messages and songs. We've been singing about the name of Jesus. If you are joining us today for the first time, we are in the book of Matthew chapter 6. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and we were cruising along okay till we came to the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, whatever you want to call it. And we've been camping there a moment to our few weeks to look at each particular phrase. And Jesus said, in this manner, here's your model, here's your, your um, pattern to follow. He didn't say you had to pray this every time. He said, here's what you need to include. What do you say when you pray? And, he, and you begin by coming to the Father, Abba, the Father, a relationship that you have with God. But then he also says, who's in heaven and we talked about it being the central place of authority that God is on the throne. He is ruling from heaven. So we have a father, relational term, who's in heaven. He is our authority. And then he begins with the petitions. There are six petitions in this prayer. The first three have to do with God. Hallowed be thy name. We want your name to be glorified, to be lifted up on this earth. We want your name to be honored and reverenced. Thy kingdom come. We're ready for God's kingdom to come, not only on earth, but in our own lives. The third petition, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about how God's will is done in heaven. The angels do everything God tells them to do. And we're wanting God's will on this earth to come. We want it to be done in our own lives. We want his will in our lives. We're going to be obedient. And we talked about God's will. Some things God has spoken into being and you're not going to change. Some things God desires to happen, but man has not responded rightly. And then there are things that God tells us are his will recording into the word to be obedient to him. But then the petitions change. They go from focusing on God to focusing on us. Give us, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. There's a story. It's simply a story, in case you just woke up. This is not true. But the story goes that Colonel Sanders, many years ago, went to Rome to see the Pope. And he got entrance to see the Pope. And when he went in to see the Pope, Colonel Sanders said, I'll give you a million dollars if you will change the phrase, give us this day our daily bread, to give us this day our daily chicken. <laughs> the Pope says, you're out of your mind, and told him to leave. A year later, persistent, Colonel Sanders came back. 
said, I'll give you $50 million if you will change the line from give us this day our daily bread to give us this day our daily chicken. The Pope says you're out of your mind and escorted him out of the Vatican. Well, about two years later, Colonel Sanders came back a third time and said, look, this is my last and final offer. I'll give you $500 million, a half a billion dollars, if you'll change the phrase, give us this day our daily bread, to give us this day our daily chicken. The Pope thought for a moment, he said, $500 million? Colonel Sanders said, yes, my final offer. Pope says, you got a deal. So he called the College of Cardinals together, the Pope did, and he said, I've got some good news and bad news. The good news is we've had a donation of $500 million to the church. The bad news is we're probably going to lose our Wonder Bread account. (laughs) That's not true. It never happened, okay? There may be a few people in here probably think, did that really happen? Do you pray for your daily needs? Really? Now think about it. Do you take time to ask God for them or at least give thanks for them? Many people say a blessing or a prayer before their meals, but are you really grateful or is it really become so mechanical and so methodical that it's really just sort of a pious way of saying, let's eat? not really thanking God. Or maybe you're like the little boy who was asked by a Sunday school teacher, Johnny, do you say a prayer before every meal? No, sir, I don't. Why not? It's just because my mom's a good cook. (laughs) A lot of people think they don't have to pray. And when we ask the blessing, are we really thanking God for it? Give us this day our daily bread. Alan Redpath said it this way. You can read it. Give us this day the necessities of life. Give us what we need today. It might be the bread of adversity. It might be the bread of sorrow. It might be the bread of tears. But Lord, whatever we need today, give us this day our daily bread. Now, Jesus knew a lot about bread, having grown up probably in a pretty poor family while he was here on the earth. And of course, he used a lot of analogies about bread. And so in using this phrase, give us this day our daily bread, I believe there are several implications here. And that's what I want to share with you for a moment. First of all, we can go to God daily in communication and communion. Now, when I say communion, I don't mean the Lord's Supper here. I mean fellowship, communion with, like we have communion with with other believers. We have a fellowship here. We go to God daily in communication and fellowship with him. Well, every day we're to ask God for daily bread. And there's really a double emphasis here. He says, every day, give us this day our daily bread. You see the double emphasis here? So there must be something important here because Jesus is emphasizing to come to him daily. One of the reasons God wants to come to us daily, to to him daily, is because he wants to hear from you. Do you have any children that have gone off to school or moved away? Do you like to hear from them? Why? 
Because you love them. You want to hear their voice. You want to know what's going on in their life. Now, I know that God knows everything about us, but do you think God for a moment wants to hear from you? Did you know God wants to hear from you? It's not a duty. Well, I guess I better pray, get this over with. No, God wants to talk with you. He wants to commune with you. He wants to, to, to hear you talk to him. Now, this word daily, give us this day, our daily bread. It's an interesting word because it's only used here in the New Testament. It's also used in Luke, which is also records the, the model prayer. So I guess it's used twice, but it's in both times in the model prayer. And what's interesting is that many, many years ago when the translators were translating the Bible into English, they came to this word and they couldn't find an equivalent for it because it wasn't in any modern classical Greek. It wasn't in Homer or Plato or the Iliad or Aristotle. And so it, it was so rare of a word that Origen, one of the early church fathers, actually said he thought maybe Matthew and Luke coined the phrase or made it up. Or maybe Jesus coined the phrase to use because there was no equivalent in the Greek to this Aramaic word. And they thought it was made up. They didn't have anything to go by. So no one knew for sure what it meant. But they still translated it daily. Until 1947. And that's when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in southern Israel. And one of the marvelous things about the Dead Sea Scrolls is that they were written hundreds of years ago, even before we, the, some of the manuscripts that we used to translate the scripture to show the accuracy of the transmission through the ages of the Bible. And when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, there were some fragments in parts of them. And part of these fragments had this word daily on them. So it was the first time they had proof that this word existed long before Matthew and Luke wrote the gospels. It's interesting, though, that it was found on what looked like grocery lists. Now, I don't know what store they went to, but they were basically grocery lists. And on the list were things that were perishable. They didn't have any refrigeration during that time, and so they had to go daily to get things that would spoil because they had no way of preserving them or keeping them. And so it was put on a daily list. Scholars finally had some outside support for the word daily. Prayer is not a grocery list as much as it is a way of relating to God. If you don't talk to someone daily, the relationship is not going to be there like it would be if you talk with them daily. Now, those of you who are married when you were dating, and some of you may be in a relationship you're dating. You like to talk to the people daily, don't you? Even when my wife is out of town, we still converse daily, texting or talking on the phone because you just want to talk to them. You have a relationship with them. What kind of relationship would you have if you just talked to this person weekly or monthly or yearly as some people do? Or every time you were in trouble. You see, God wants to talk to you daily. And Lord, you know my needs daily. Now, now Jesus puts the emphasis on bread for this day. Not bread for next year. 
Not bread for 10 years from now, but bread for today. Because that's all you can really use anyway. Does it mean that we can't do some planning for the future? That's not what he's talking about. Because obviously there are other passages of scripture that says we need to think ahead and we need to plan. But our Lord would have us to rely on and and trust him for our daily provision. And so what he's saying is he wants you to commune with him. He wants you to communicate with him. And it teaches us that material things are not outside the realm of prayer. You can ask. You're not just a body. You're not just a soul and a spirit. Man has three parts, a body, soul, and spirit. Soul being your mind, your emotions, your will, your spirit being what makes you in the image of God. God is spirit. He's created us in his image. We have his spirit in us, the Holy Spirit, when we're saved. When man sinned in the garden, the spirit of God withdrew and they were lost. They were dead spiritually. When you've received Christ, the Holy Spirit enters you, gives you life, changes your soul. But you're more than just a spirit and a soul. You also have a body. And your body has needs. And if food is what you need, you need to pray for food. If money is what you need, you pray for money. If a job is what you need, you pray for a job and so forth. The Lord said you can ask God to give you what you need daily. The Lord doesn't ever get tired of you calling on him. So the first implication is, do you talk to the Lord daily? Probably not. But he longs to hear from you. A lot of you don't talk to him because you're afraid that he's mad at you. And if you don't talk to him, he won't know what you're doing. You ever see a child when... Uh, when you told them not to do something and they close their eyes, I mean, they hide their eyes and they still try to do it. They hide their eyes because you can't see them that way. Well, a lot of people don't pray because they think, well, if I don't talk to the Lord, he won't know what I've been up to. Material things are not excluded. With that in mind, we can go to God daily with confession and conviction. Now, what I mean by confession is You admit, I confess, God, I can't do this by myself, that I need you. And the conviction is, I believe God can meet those needs. The word give, give us. Now, what does that tell you? It points to someone else that has what you don't have. Give us this day. You can, God. James summarized it when he said every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. James 1.17. Every means all encompassing. Give us this day our daily bread is a legitimate request because God is capable of meeting our needs. Amen. We have such a shallow understanding of prayer you you probably follow the cartoon family circus in the newspaper by Bill Keene and one of them and the older brother leans is leaning on a crushed football and he says I need a new football but I don't know if I should send up a prayer write a letter to Santa Claus or call grandma 
You can ask God. The simple statement says, I can't meet my own needs, God, but you can. And when I pray this prayer, I'm confessing my own weaknesses. I'm, I'm acknowledging the truth that I, I have a job, but only because God's given me the ability to work. And I have this because God's given me the opportunity to make a living or he's given me this and this. God grants us the opportunities that we have. When's the last time you acknowledged that? I'm expressing the truth that he is God and I'm totally dependent upon him. There's no such thing as a self-made man. Paul had that in mind when he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. If you have anything, if you are anything, it's because of the grace of God working in you. And you need to stop and thank him and confess that. I acknowledge that to you, God. I know I need you. The phrase daily bread referred to much more than just food. It was a synonym for food and clothing and shelter and other necessities of life. It's the provisions you need every day. And at this time, when Jesus was speaking to them, a lot of people just had a daily job. They were hired for one day. And so they would understand what this meant. Lord, I need to work today so that I can buy food or clothing or shelter to provide for not only me, but my family. So God, give me an opportunity today to, to make a living, to make the bread, to, to, to earn it. Amen. And so, Lord, I, I'm trusting you. And his hearers would have understood what they were saying. Martin Luther put it this way. Daily bread is everything necessary for the preservation of this life including food, a healthy body, job, home, wife, and children. The old hymn we sing, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. We go to God daily confessing, Lord, I need you. Stephen Soroson asked a visiting missionary from Haiti one day, how do American Christians and Haitian Christians differ. And the missionary to Haiti said this, most American Christians don't need God. American Christians have everything they need. If they don't pray or read the Bible for weeks, it makes little difference in their daily lives. They still have food to eat. They still have a place to sleep a regular income. They don't need to practice their faith every day. And folks, as sad as that is, it's very true. Because we live in such a nation where we have so much that we really don't ever think about today I might not eat. Now you may choose not to for other reasons, but it wasn't because you didn't have a choice not to eat. We come to God knowing, God, I need you, and I believe you can meet my daily needs. And so we, we believe about his, his ability to meet our needs, and he wants to talk to us. So now what does it mean? We go to God daily with confidence and certainty. Do you really believe that God can meet your needs? Do you? 
A lot of people don't because they don't even honor him with what he's given them through giving. They basically say, well, you know, I know I, know I have what I have, but God can't meet my needs because I've sure got to hang on to everything I have. When we pray for God to meet our needs, we're proclaiming several things. First of all, we're proclaiming a belief in God's power. Genesis tells us that God created everything out of nothing. I don't care what scientists tell you. They don't know. They weren't there. It's all a guess. It is. It's just a guess. God bara. He created out of nothing the world. Now, if he can create the world and the universe out of nothing, don't you think he can take care of you? Job 42.2 says, Lord, I know that you can do everything. Luke 1.37, for with God, nothing is impossible. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. He's able. Our God is able. And he can. And if our God can create everything from nothing, then he can take care of you. If he can feed 2 million Israelites wandering around in the desert and wilderness for 40 years, he can take care of you. If he can do all the great things that are recorded in the scripture, he can take care of you. Mrs. Finch, a sweet elderly lady, a widow, bowed her head to pray. For the last week, her prayer had been the same. God, would you send me some bread? She lived in poverty. She realized that she would run out of food soon. So her only prayer was for bread to nourish her a few more days. And one day, two mischievous boys walked by her cottage when the window was open, and they heard her praying for bread. So they devised this scheme that they went and bought bread. The next day, they climbed up on her roof, and they listened. And as she began to pray for bread, they dropped a loaf of bread down her chimney. Well, she picked up the package, and when she opened it up and saw it was bread, she began to praise God and to dance around and was so thankful to God. And when the two boys got down and knocked on her door, and they were laughing at her, said, Lady, God didn't give you that. We did. And she replied, I asked God for bread, and he gave me bread, even if he did let the devil deliver it. <laughs> God can do it any way he wants to, but he still does it. We also are stating that we have a belief in God's promises. We're confessing that our faith in the promises of God made to his children. The Bible's clear that it tells the Lord will take care of his own. Psalm 37, 25, for example, I have been young and now old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. Philippians 4, 19 says... My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Matthew 6, 25 and, and following says that God will take care of you. Seek first the kingdom of God. I shared this illustration with you before several years ago about a lady who got a call from work when her daughter was very sick, 
had come down with a fever. And so she left work to go home to check on her daughter who was with a, a child care worker, a babysitter, and she decided to stop at the pharmacy and get some medicine on the way for this fever. She went into the pharmacy, and when she came out, she realized she'd locked her keys in the car. She didn't know what to do. There was no one else around, so she called a babysitter and said, look, I'm stuck here at the pharmacy. I don't know when it'll be when I get there. And the babysitter said, well, your daughter's fever is rising. And, and, and the babysitter, well, maybe you can get a coat hanger and open the car door. So she began to look around, and wouldn't you know it, there was a coat hanger laying on the, on the parking lot, rusty, but it was a coat hanger. So she picked it up and thought, I don't know what to do with this. And so she simply said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I, I'm asking you to send some help. About two minutes later, an old motorcycle pulled up and a man that had dirty clothes and a skull cap on and he was kind of greasy and so forth. And, and she thought to herself, this is who you sent? But she was desperate, so she walked up to this man and said, Sir, my daughter is very sick, and I've gotten some medication for her, but I locked my keys in my car, and I need to get home. Can you open this car? Do you know how to use this coat hanger to open the door? He said, Yes, ma'am, I can do that. And within a matter of seconds, he had that door open. She threw her arms around him and said, Thank you so much. You are such a nice man. And then he said, Ma'am, I'm, I'm not a nice man. I just got out of prison today. I was in prison for car theft. <laughs> he said, I've been out a few hours. She hugged him again and said with, with tears in her eyes, she said, oh, thank you, God, you even sent me a professional. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, God can sin and do it. He can do it. No mistakes, no accidents. I like what Dallas Willard said. He said, today I have God and he has provisions. Tomorrow it will be the same. We also make a statement that we believe in God's provision. I've alluded to that already. When we ask God for daily needs in our life, we're not trying to twist his arm to get him to give us something that he doesn't want us to have. We're not trying to overcome his reluctance to take care of us. We're merely laying hold on his provision. We're acknowledging his willingness. Nothing honors God more than his children coming to him in childlike faith saying, God, I depend on you. Would you help me? God, I depend on you. Thank you for what you have provided. Thank you for the opportunities that you've given me. Don't ever underestimate the power of God. True story, in the winter of 1940, Josephine Kuntz and her husband were going through difficult times. Her husband was a house painter and a textile worker. He was temporarily unemployed because of the weather, and the textile factory had a seasonal layoff, and it was a difficult time. They literally had no money, and their 18-month-old daughter, Rachel, was recovering from pneumonia. And it wasn't going well. The doctor insisted that Rachel, their daughter, needs to eat a boiled egg every day. But even that was beyond their ability to buy. A young friend suggested to them, why don't you pray for an egg? 
Well, they were a church-going family, but the idea of actually praying for an egg never really crossed their mind. But Josephine wasted no time, and on her knees she prayed that God would provide an egg each morning for her daughter. Later that morning, Josephine heard some cackling coming from the hedge in front of their home. And among the bare branches sat a fat red hen. She'd never seen this hen before. Had no idea where it came from. She just watched in amazement as the hen laid an egg and then proceeded down the road. So what do you do under certain circumstances? But thank God, the next day, Josephine was startled once again to hear the cackling in the hedge. The red hen came every day for a week and repeated this routine. Each day, little Rachel had a fresh boiled egg. The little girl got better. The weather improved. Josephine's husband went back to work. And Josephine says, I never saw the little red hen again. Now, let me tell you, God's the God of the chickens, I guess. <laughs> God is not a Scrooge that has to be persuaded to meet our needs. He is our Father. He delights in giving us the good things of life. Look at all of the gifts that God's already given us. He's given us salvation. He's given us forgiveness, eternal life, the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven. God has saved us. God has given us purpose. God has given us peace and forgiveness. Look what all he's already given to you. And he didn't have to do that. But we believe in God's provision. There's one more implication in this phrase, I think, and that is that we go to God daily with contentment and concern. Give us this day our daily bread. It speaks of moderation. It doesn't mean it's wrong to have things, but there's a lot of things in this country that we just don't need. We think we do. It's interesting. They did a, a, some research about 100 years ago. The average American needed 16 things but they wanted 98 things. Now today, average American wants 480 things that they consider as needs. The necessity of life, though, in reality is only about 96 things. So Jesus was praying and teaching us not to pray for everything we want, but to pray for what we need. There's a special danger, though, because we live in a prosperous society. I'll tell you something. We're not like other parts of the world. You did not get up this morning wondering if you would eat. You wondered what you might eat, but you didn't wonder if you would eat. There are people around the world who don't even know if they'll eat today. 
The special danger in our prosperity is that when God blesses us and provides for us, we get caught up in what we have and our ability to acquire it. But that's nothing new because when the children of Israel were about to go into the promised land, Deuteronomy 8, he said to them, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery." You see, we come to God when we are in trouble and we have needs, but when things are going well and things are prosperous, we sort of say, well, I'll get back to you. But when you say, give us this day our daily bread, you're saying, Lord, I'm willing to accept the things that you send into my life today. And contentment is so difficult for us in this nation. Because about the time you get something, they come out with something new and improved. They put a new button on it. And yours doesn't have that button on it. And now you want that button on yours. Am I right here? Yeah, I know I am. Learning to be content I've told you this many times, but, but, but I'm going to tell you again. If you have a job that pays you for what you do, if you have enough food to eat three times, we're going to count peanut butter and crackers. But you can eat three times today what you already have at home. If you have a place to sleep out of the weather. If you have any form of transportation, including a bicycle, and if you have enough clothing to protect you from the elements, you're in the top 1% of the world. Seven billion people on this planet, and you're in the top 1%. God's been good, hadn't he? You see, but we're so discontent. I can't buy everything I want or I see. Maybe we need to stop and thank God for what he has given us already. When you sit down to eat today and you ask the blessing before you eat, Maybe for once you really ought to be grateful instead of just saying, well, Lord, thank you for the food. Amen. Let's eat. There's going to be some people today that don't eat, which leads to the second part of that. You see, with contentment, but also concern. Did you notice that Jesus did not say, give me this day my daily bread? He put, give us an hour. In fact, there's no singular pronouns in the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. They're all plural pronouns, which tells us that we need to be concerned about other people as well. 
Philippians 2, 4 says, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, 24, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. You're not going to have to decide whether you will eat or not. I mean, you may choose not to by your own choice, but you're not you're not not going to eat because you have to. I'm not sure that's right. <laughs> but you got the message, even if the English was wrong. <laughs> but there are going to be people today who, who don't know if they're going to eat today. We need to pray for their needs to be met. We, if we can meet some of them, we can't meet everybody's needs. But we need to pray for one another. Out in the foyer, there's a prayer wall. It looks like strings with little clips and cards on it. Some people have put prayer requests on those. Maybe you would like to stop by and write a prayer request. You don't have to sign your name if you don't want to. Just put a prayer request and hang it up there. But then I'm asking for you to go by and maybe get one of those cards off of that and say, well, I'm going to pray for this need. I don't know who this is but I'm going to pray for this need for them this week, every day. Why can't we pray for one another? And so put your prayer requests out there on that wall, and some of you go by and grab one of those cards and pray for one another. You see, give us this day our daily bread, our daily bread. I can tell you the greatest need that you have is forgiveness of sin. Some of you have already received Christ as your Savior. Most of you have. But if you haven't, the need that you have to be forgiven of your sin can only be met through Jesus. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You didn't inherit it. Your parents did not give it to you. You have to repent of your sin. Turn, change your mind. I don't want to be this way anymore, God. I'm asking you to forgive me because I believe what Jesus did on the cross. He died for my sin. He died and he rose again, conquering death. And Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. And you know what? God wants to. He wants to save you. You don't have to convince him. He wants to, but you've got to mean business. You've got to repent of your sin and ask God to forgive you. And you place your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you do, God puts the guarantee of your salvation in you, the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. He's the guarantee. He's the down payment. He's the proof you've been saved. And he begins to affect your soul, your mind, emotions, and will. And one of these days, God's going to give you a new body to go with the salvation that he's given you because it'll be fit for heaven. Completely reverse the consequences of sin where man died in the garden immediately in his spirit. He died progressively in his soul, his mind, emotions, and will, and eventually in his body. When you receive Christ, you're given life immediately, progressively. You begin to grow in the Lord in your mind, emotions, and will, and one day you're going to get a new body. That's what you need more than anything on this earth is salvation. And so some of you can give your life to Christ today. Some of you need a church. 
If you're looking for a perfect one, hit the road. I know these people. And they know me. And none of us in here are perfect, are we? Just forgiven. Just forgiven. That's all we are. Just forgiven. Some of you need to be baptized. You've never been baptized. You need to be baptized. It's not, that doesn't save you, but it's the proof that you've been saved. Lord, I want to be obedient to you. And if you're a believer, stop and thank God for what he's given you. And if you have needs, he invites us to ask him. Let's do it now. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for forgiveness. I pray for those today, if they're listening online or watching on television or they're in this room, we pray that they will know that they need to receive you as their Savior. They need to commit their lives to you by faith and trust. I pray that you will meet their needs. If there are people who are listening today and they don't have food to eat, Lord, please provide food for them to eat. If there's some that need jobs, we ask you to provide a job for them. There's some that, that have other needs, health and, and all kinds of needs. Lord, you told us we could ask you and thank you for the privilege. So right now we come asking you to meet our needs. We pray that you would bring people to you, that they would respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.